What's up, Danny? What's up? Not much. April 27th. Uh, we're going to be going through the Cubs. Playing pretty well lately. Little little talk about the NFL draft. Not too much. Who we prefer to have on our team. Uh, Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook. And then I have a hot take about the NBA playoffs coming up. Um, but like I said, so far, like the last week since we've talked, the Cubs have done their job. They've played the Marlins. They uh, did their business against the Diamondbacks. And now one game one against the Dodgers. And they fucking looked awesome yesterday yeah it was a hot start was it descalso with the three run uh double or was it willie i i got back a little bit it was willie but uh yeah i know it was willie but i got back like kind of away from classes but yeah it was willie okay i knew one of the two hit the double to bring in three and the other one hit a single to bring the other one in um fucking was yeah quintana looked amazing last night yeah it's 21 innings, two earned runs over his last three starts. Yeah, it was like 21 innings, .83 ERA, and like I think it was close to 30 strikeouts. He's been just fucking dominant. And yeah. just I don't know if I can attribute this to the new pitching coach, just Q being hot, because I've seen it with the entire staff besides Kyle Hendricks because he's a little bit different for this scenario. But the whole staff is pitching higher up in the zone, which – I don't know, with the emphasis on launch angle, if you're pitching high in the zone, it's tough to hit, like, the ball hard with a launch angle and high in the zone. It's just, like, physically, like, hard. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe that's the thing with Q this year. He's going high, and then when he's going high, he's using, like, his actual curveball, and when he goes low, he does, like, his kind of the same thing with Cole Hamels, both on the left side. Like, when he does want to go low in the zone, it's all fastball sinker stuff or uh, fastball changeup. But holy shit, he's been on fire. The entire staff's been on fire, to be honest. Yeah, the whole staffs are on fire. None of these guys guys are getting into jams. It's not like they're getting out of jams. Like they're getting through the innings pretty pretty handedly. And that was the biggest thing. The first week it was just Walk City. Like, I don't know, I think I don't think we ever set records, but like fucking we were just walking everyone. We had the highest whip in the entire league. Um yeah, that first week I think we were dead last in like all starting pitching categories. And ever since I believe the Brewer series, since that point we've been first in all starting pitching categories. But that is against the Pirates, Angels, Marlins, Diamondbacks. But, fuck, they did their job. Yeah, you got to pull these on your schedule. Exactly. Rizzo starting to heat up. He hit a bomb yesterday. Um, Baez with a bomb yesterday. Javi hit a bomb. Only one of his – does he have five total? I think that was his sixth. Yeah. Or my, I, I know it's more than five. Okay. I, I know I saw a stat on Twitter – only one of his home runs have been to the left side of the field, which I find absolutely crazy for him, where yeah. he was a guy that was just trying to pull everything, just fucking kill the baseball, hit as far as he can to the left side, left bleachers, and now he's using the entire field, and he has the power to do it, and holy shit, it's working. It is. Yeah, like the, the one the one that really stood out to me was the one against uh, Miami. He hit it to, like, deep, deep right center. Oh, and, yeah. And I think, it, I think they estimated, like – 400-something feet. Like, he's hitting a bald oppo like crazy. And that's something he didn't – even last year when he was the second in the NL MVP, he was still pulling the ball a lot. Uh-huh. Um, and I saw also saw a stack where, like, the most common thing for Baez is 
everyone said, oh, just throw him a low and away slider. He's going to whiff. Holy shit, I got burped. Um, he has, like, the highest slugging percentage against breaking balls in the MLB since, I believe, it's, like, all-star break of last year. So that narrative is just gone. Yeah, he's got to swing it. He's got to swing at them, but he is swinging, and he's hitting them, and he's driving them to the other way. It's great to watch. But then not to get Nancy negative, Chris Bryant, what the fuck you doing, dude? It's just – he's it's starting to make me nervous where I was listening to Red Line Radio today, and they were kind of talking about how he just – he looks – a half second off where he's trying to like get his timing back to where he just, he didn't, he didn't actually like use any T work until like December, January this year and just like worked out, got his muscles right. He looks a little like too strong. He looks a little stiff, I guess I could say. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good way to point it. I didn't know about that. I didn't know he was only hitting off the T since December. Oh yeah. From end of the season, until I think it was like late December, early January. He didn't like pick up, he didn't even like pick up a baseball bat. It was just working out, getting his shoulder right. So he, which I don't know, it's weird because last year with the hurt shoulder, he had no oppo power. So he was trying to pull everything. Mm-hmm. He was rolling everything over to the left side. This year, it seems like the opposite, where he's just like, he's, I don't know if he's trying to just push everything, but he seems, either seems a half second off to where like, I don't know, he's, He's trying to work too much to oppo a little bit too much, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. Let's see who else lately has caught my eye. Descalso is becoming a mini fan favorite. He's yeah, for old, sure. Like all the Tommy Listella fans are jumping to him. I'm a part of that. I love Descalso. I kind of want him hitting leadoff. Professional at bat every single time. You know who's you know a little alarming to me is Almora. He's just bad on – he just can't hit. He can't hit right now. Yeah. And then and then Willie still swinging that hot bat. Willie, I think it's going to continue too because it's a mechanical fix yet. It's not just like luck to where he's he's driving the ball hard and just the mechanical issues seem to have worked. Um, Who else? Hey, Al Moore has been putrid. Yeah, um, bad. He might uh, – I don't want to say get sent down, but if – if you could see Ian Happ in there maybe a couple times, I don't know, maybe Elmar could get sent down. Yeah. If, he's, if he continues as. It he's gotta turn it turn it around. Um it's not great. But if everyone else is producing, we can hide him. That's fine. It's just when everyone else starts to struggle, his struggles are like amplified where it's like, come on, Elmar, fucking do something. Cause even if Javi or Rizzo and KB right now, when they go through their cold streak, it's like, all right, they're struggling now, but we know eventually they're going to get piping hot and carry the team. Amora, we know, is never going to do that. So it's like, dude, at least get an extra base hit. He hasn't had an extra base hit since I think I know. It was like September 12th of last his year. Slugging, his slugging is literally the same as his batting average. Nearly impossible to do that when you're a full time like player. Crazy. Um, um, and then I know he's not getting as many at bats, but David Bodie's still impressing me. Oh, the man just loses confidence and like the clutch gene, or I think it was like the, the big the big walk off hit on Sunday. Exactly, I saw. I think it was like in eight point seven percent of games he's played at Wrigley, he's walked off. That's a wild, <laughs> which stat. is just funny as shit to think of. There was there was a really funny stat because he he went on maternity leave after that game. Yeah, his uh, that, uh, that is. Nine months and nine days before his uh, Grand Slam walk off against the Nationals, 
was not it was nine months and nine days that's before funny that. shit. that's just hilarious like, you got to name that kid something in honor of the nationals i know they think they named it uh i forget what they named it name him name him dusty exactly like something dusty dusty Bodie. <laughs> well that's a strong name um but for cubs wise everyone's playing better i think it was like the last 10 games they have the best record in the league yes we're playing the bottom feeders but this is what you're supposed to do um play the Dodgers tonight I believe it who's starting tonight Cole Hamels Hamels yeah Hamels he's an awesome lately too another lefty bat against the Dodgers lineup the Dodgers lineup not too great against lefty so I'm I'm thinking Cole will do pretty well tonight it's just gonna be if the, so. off, if the offense wants to keep it up yeah but that's all I got for baseball uh, that's all I got too I mean any, anything else around the league that catches your eye um Oh, this is a hot take I kind of want to get out there, and I want to get on the bandwagon before everyone else does. All right. Matt Chapman of Oakland is a top 10 player in baseball. Like, not top, not right now, but he, I think he could progress to be that. I have him on uh, I have him on one of the fantasy leagues, and he is mashing. He's a fucking stud. If you look at his stats since, like, last year's All-Star break, he has a higher average than Nolan Arenado. Like, he has more bonds than, uh, like, Lindor. Like, I, there's um, a guy on Twitter, at MLB Stats and Info, he like loves Matt Chapman. That's where I get all the info about him. If you compare his stats since last All Star break, he's like above everyone, and he's the best glove in baseball besides maybe the ace center fielder, who is a fucking cannon. But he he is he is a really really good player. I don't know. I'm not ready to call him top ten in this league right now. Maybe give it. I, I'll give I'll give it until All Star break. I'll be one of the, those that jump on the bandwagon if he continues, but. I'll rephrase it. I'll, if you're gonna if you're gonna call that shot right now, it's I, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> he's he's a top ten position player. I'll put it that way. Because if you thro- start throwing in the top pitchers, like I don't know, Steve, yeah, then it it muddies the water, makes it a little bit harder. Top ten position I'm, players. I even that I wouldn't go I wouldn't go that far, and that's what I was like referring. That's what I was thinking of when uh, you said that. I think he's at right now, and he's maybe it could just be a hot start and a hot finish to last year, and it just maybe he'll average out the rest of his career. I don't know. But he's a fucking stud. Um, that's all I got for baseball. Yeah, there's not much else. That nope. Now we're in the baseball grind. Yeah, that's that's what we it got, is. Like, Obviously, out of the gate, we love to talk about. I think we went went a good twenty five minutes after uh, the week after opening day mm-hmm. about what's going on with the Cubs and everything else around the league. And now you just got to get back to that grind. Yeah, and it's it's going to be a real struggle like a month when the NHL and NBA playoffs are over. Those midsummer months of July and August are just oh, and June. Well, at least June you have like we'll have the NBA Finals and the NHL playoffs, but oh, um, but I love it though. Oh, of course we love it. Um, but NFL draft starts today. First pick Arizona. You're thinking they're going uh, Kyler Murray? Yeah, that's. I, I don't know. Like I don't even. I don't. I I, I don't think Kyler Murray is the best quarterback in this draft, but. Kingsbury recurred, recruited him at um, Texas. What was it Texas A and M or Texas Tech? Yeah. Tech and uh, yeah, there. It's looking like Kingsbury is going to go after. Or, yeah, Cliff Kingsbury is going to go after him. Do Do you trust uh, Kyler? I don't know. He's one of those guys that I think he's going to be absolutely hit or absolutely mess. True. I I think the height thing's overblown because obviously the shorter quarterbacks are having more success now in the NFL with there's more movement in the quarterback position. But 
Who do you think is the best quarterback in this draft? I like Haskins. I think he's probably the most reliable. I, I agree with you there. I like Haskins a lot. He can move when he wants to. He's a big-ass body, and his deep ball accuracy is nuts. He's like a, he's like a Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. And he's just huge, really accurate, and can take hits in the pocket. He can't. And say if it's fourth, like third and five, and like, okay, nothing's here. I'm just going to go get this first down. He can mm-hmm. if he wants. Like, he did. I forget. Was it Stephen A. or someone on ESPN who just did like basically just some blind racism analysis where it's like, well, yeah, he, he's not a thrower. He's, he's more of a runner. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah he's, more, he's more of a runner, even though he ran like a, he had the slowest 40 time of any quarterback in the combine. Yeah, like he had like less than 200 yards rushing the entire season. He's like, sir, you're wrong. I forget who it was. Yeah, to, to Stephen A.'s defense, not, I mean, he doesn't really deserve defense with that statement, but. Ohio State always has running quarterbacks. Oh, they yeah, always. Yeah, you know, Braxton Miller, JT Barrett. Cardell Jones wasn't really, but they always have a running quarterback. Cardell Jones, those two games against Bam and Oregon, those were fucking awesome to watch. That was so much – that was awesome. He just lit it up. He was the third stringer when it happened. Yeah, I like Haskins a lot. I would, I would take him over Murray myself. Um, Joey but Bo- the thing is, Kyler Murray's ceiling is – Super high, Correct. whereas his floor is also really, really low. Whereas Haskins, I think, is just that, that safe bet that could bring you a lot of success mm-hmm. as well. But I, I would take I would take Haskins, but I think the Cardinals – it's looking like the Cardinals are going to go with Murray. I think they will. I, I have a philosophy, and I think a lot of people think this way, is if you're a first-round pick, you just cannot suck. Like, as long as you get an average player in the first round, that's beneficial. I disagree with that only for the quarterback position. If you're going to be a first-round quarterback, you need to be, like, a fucking Pro Bowl caliber player, like a player that can actually take a team to a Super Bowl. That's why you're getting taken in the first round as a quarterback. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, you see with Josh Rosen. Exactly. And, but I don't know I don't know what to do with Josh Rosen if you're the Cardinals because, like, the roster fucking sucked. Who knows if he was part of the issue or if he was just, the, like, a result of the issues, but if they do draft him, they'll probably end up trading Josh Rosen like the night of the draft to get second round and third round picks. But it's a bit, a bit of a dilemma for him. Yeah. Um. Anybody? Anybody else that you know tickles your fancy in this draft? Kind of. Just I'm curious what teams are going to do with Bosa because he what he played two games and then done. Yeah. I. Obviously, he's been a stud his first two years at Ohio State, but just, like, they didn't really see much. I don't know if a team's willing to go a top-five pick for a guy that they didn't see all of last year. Yeah, I know he didn't see him all last year, but I think I think somebody's going to pull the trigger on him top-five. I know you're – Because he, he's still I, – I, obviously, I'm an Ohio State fan, but he's he's really, really good. How is he compared to his brother? I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him on that scale, but mm-hmm. – he could be there. He could be there, like within like three years of the league, maybe. Um, other guys that tickle my fancy: Ed Oliver out of Houston. Um, he was supposed to be like the number one pick going into last year, and just because he kind of played it safe, and if he had like even like a strained hamstring, he wouldn't play, which is smart. He's like dropped to the twenty in the twenties. So whoever's going to get him will get a steal. Basically, all of the Clemson D linemen are falling in the draft. I don't understand why they're fucking monsters. Um. But it's kind of just like seeing where people go because the Bears don't have a first or second round pick, so it's not like I've been super attentive to all these players. But I just kind of want to see where everyone falls. 
Yeah, this is the one year where I like I paid almost no attention to what's going on with like prospects or anything like that because the Bears don't have a first or second round pick. Our first round pick is Khalil Mack. Yeah, I'll take and that's, I'll, I'll take that any day of the week. Oh, we didn't talk about uh, the schedule dropping, did we? we did, did we? I know we. Yeah, did. Did. I don't think we did it on the show. I think we texted about it. I don't know. I yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, I'm gonna go run and get my laptop. Do you want to do that real quick? Um, I feel like we got a break. Um, we we like... wait for Matt. We got yeah. I'd say we wait for Matt. We got four. Oh, I completely forgot to do that in the intro. Show. Yeah, Matt's not here because Matt's Matt's gonna want to talk about that. Yeah, smart idea. Um, but that's all I got for NFL draft wise. There's really nothing much. Same yeah. I saw some like reports on Twitter that the Dan Snyder's taking control of what they're gonna do in the first round. And the last time they he did that, they traded two first and a second for RG three. So maybe the Washington's gonna be up to something. Well. Well, what is? I wonder what those picks were that he gave away, because RG three that rookie year he was, uh, he was one of the most fun players to watch. Oh, he was worth it. I've too. ever seen in the NFL. He was worth it for two firsts and a second. And then yeah, then his, and then his knees happened. <laughs> Not good. Um, man, that'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> Jay Gruden and Mike Mayock just kicked out all their scouts and basically told them to fuck off until the draft. Which I find hilarious. Just an absolute shit show in Oakland. Um, but other than that, who would you re- – I guess I'll start off because you are so indecided. Damian Lillard just put Russell Westbrook in a goddamn body bag that entire series. And that step back three last night, I didn't watch it live, but I woke up to it. That has to be at least 40 feet. That was so – It was, yeah. By the time he released the ball, Damian Lillard took four back pedals until it went in. That is – preposterous and everyone's like giving Paul George shit for saying that's a bad shot maybe you shouldn't say it that way that's a bad shot but like that you just have to give him that if he's gonna hit that shot in your face credit to him there's nothing you can do absolutely nothing um but then it got me thinking this morning if you were who just who would you rather have on your team Damian Lillard and Russell Westbrook and I don't think enough people will be picking Damian Lillard because he's my choice for sure. I think Russell Westbrook is one of the most overrated players in the NBA. He doesn't get it done in the playoffs ever. He just uh, He's just a volume shooter. That's all he is. But what do you think, Dan? Again, it's especially like that, that step back was so, so dirty. I will literally walk downstairs right after it happened. <sighs> And Prince, Prince and Scott watch it, and they're like, dude, you got to watch this. This is literally one of the best shots I've ever seen. I watch it. Holy shit. And I never really thought about this because they are – I don't want to say they're different players, but if Russell West, because I think Russell Westbrook is way more talented than Damian Lillard. Sorry about that. But, uh, Dan, you were saying they're not very similar players. Yeah, they're not like that's. I lost my train of thought a little bit, but uh, they're not similar because I think obviously West Russell Westbrook is just you know super athletic. I think Russell Westbrook is more talented than Damian Lillard, but he obviously stat pads. I don't think he's as much of a team guy as Lillard. It's really tough for me because I, I gone to my head. I'd say Westbrook, but I'm I I'm doubt myself on that. I think you're right with the ceiling for Westbrook is higher than Dame's. 
If like when... I, I think Russell Westbrook could be the number one guy on a team that can win the finals, whereas Lillard cannot. I disagree with you. I don't think Russell could be. Lillard, I think he could be. Really? But you'll have you'll have to be a really fucking good supporting cast where he's unlikely to, but I think he could. Where Russell Westbrook, I don't think he could be at all the best player on a championship team just because he will shoot himself out of so many damn games. Exactly because he's like I don't I don't think it's more so him being a bad player. It's him like I I think he does care too much about his stats, and I think if he put literally all of his will into just winning the basketball game like like Lillard does. Mm-hmm. I think Westbrook could do it without question. I that I'm kind of in the same boat. Just if, but you you don't change your mindset once you turn thirty. Like you just don't change how you play. And the end of Damian second half of Damian Lillard's career is going to be much much more smoothly go much smoother than Westbrook because once Westbrook loses a step, he's not going to be able to like compensate with anything else. He's not a great passer. He doesn't like. I'm not gonna say he doesn't know the game well because obviously he knows it much better than I ever will. But like compared to an NBA player, he doesn't know the game that well. Just he's much more of a freak of an athlete than everyone else on the court. And once he loses a step or two, he's done for. Where Damian Lillard knows the game, knows what to do, and like how to make little plays that benefit his team. So, in that just debate of those two, I would take Damian Lillard, and that's why. Yeah, and I, I actually I kind of agree with that point, but. I'm just saying, like, right now, if Westbrook did – if he were to do that, I'd take him for sure. Mm-hmm. I hope he can because he's a thrill to watch when he's on fire, but he's also kind of hilarious to watch when he can't hit anything. Yeah. Um, then here's my hot take. What, is, what, he, what was it? Like, I think he shot, like, 10 for 31 in that third in that uh, game five. Oh, it what was, was it? something miserable. Yeah. And then I don't – Get this with OKC. They were down 2-0. OKC wins game three at home. And, like, they're fucking taunting Portland game three while they were still down in the series, which I just don't understand. How, What mindset do you have to have to be, like, cradling a baby and doing, like, other celebrations where, like, you're openly mocking someone when you're going to be down in the series 2-1? Because then Dame hits that game winner and does the wave goodbye, which was ruthless. Um. But the, but the thing is, you like you said earlier that like Westbrook get it, doesn't get it done in the playoffs. But Lillard hasn't been out of the second round. That is true, but just Westbrook and Lillard, they are they aren't on the same. Public does not see them as the same level. I definitely do. I see fucking. Oh, I def- I definitely think it's really close. It's becoming closer. This is the first year where I think it's near equals. Every year before, I don't think it was close. This year, they they basically came neck to neck. Um, but fucking. In his last 22 games, West, Westbrook is 4-18 and 18 in the playoffs. Atrocious. No Man. other no other star gets away with that, except for him for some reason. Uh, I'm trying to think of somebody else that gets away with that. I think you could pin somebody down that gets away with it. Like The only one I can think of that gets shit for being ass in the playoffs is Kyle Lowry, but they're not in the same like stratosphere. Harden gets a lot of shit for being bad in the playoffs, but Harden still like wins series. Like he still like wins. Like like he was in the Western Conference last year. Well, last Western year Conference finals. Last year he got that monkey off his back. Yeah, where but it was just... every every year before that, but Correct. he was still like really criticized for it before that. Because even now, when he is getting like advancing in the rounds, he'll still have one dog shit games. 
where I think it was game three against the Jazz, where he shot to start the game like 0 for 15. Yeah. But, uh, no, that's the NBA playoff update. And obviously, obviously, like, a lot of these superstars are too young. Like, we haven't seen a lot of them in the playoffs, like Simmons or Embiid, Giannis. We haven't seen, like, how they how they can gear their teams in the playoffs yet. Correct. And we're going to start seeing that a lot more. A lot of it's in the East because a lot of the West is very experienced. There's not a lot of young guns in the playoffs this year that I can think of. But in the East, we got we got Giannis. We got the entire Sixers team, basically. Um, Tatum. Tatum. But he's, he has at least has Kyrie to, like, lean on, which is yeah. a great person to lean on in the playoffs to have him learn because next year Kyrie's most likely not going to be there. And then who's going to – Win that other series. Who's that final series? It was um Toronto. So oh yeah, Toronto. So then Kawhi, Kawhi, Kawhi is he's Kawhi's, already been there. Kawhi's been there. So that's the one exception. But the rest of those teams in the East have something to prove and have young guys that want to prove something. Um, yeah. But you have anything else basketball wise? Not really. It's been besides that one Damian Lillard shot. It's been kind of uneventful. Oh, I guess Portland's going to see the winner of uh, Denver San Antonio. I think both those teams are going to lose to Portland. And that Denver San Antonio series has been boring as hell. It it has been, and they they've been somewhat close games, but not close enough to where they're interesting, and they're not like blowouts enough where it's fun to laugh at them. And they're both very good, but they're both just so boring to watch. Correct. Like like Jokic is not fun to watch, even though he's so good. DeRozan's like kind of fun to watch. Lamarcus Aldridge is a, no as a snooze fest. Yeah, but, I, I I was watching that series at a bar. I'm like, God, I wish I wish other teams were playing right now. Next year, the Nuggets are going to be scary good if Michael Porter Jr. comes back healthy, because everyone just forgets. Like coming out of high school, he was the anointed number one pick before he got hurt. So if he can come back fully healthy after taking a full year off, Denver is going to be terrifying. Yeah, they still won't be able to defend for shit, but they'll probably average around 130 points a game. But um, yeah, other than that, I oh I have just give me take. give me the next round and then we'll go from there. Yeah, next round, this will be my hot take, the final segment for today. Uh, I don't think Golden State's winning at all this year. Just something seems off with them. They're not. They don't terrify me if I'm another team. Where every year before it was like oh like Warriors in five, and I know they're gonna close out the Clippers in five, but. Next round against the Rockets, and then after that, maybe Portland, Denver. I feel like Denver, they would shit stomp. San Antonio, the same. Portland, I feel like they might have some trouble with, but I don't even know if they get past Houston this year. I, I think they're 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 too good. Like that's it's the name of the game. They they're they're, they're what, at, what's what's off what's off about them? The bench isn't as good this year. They just lost Boogie Curry so far in the playoffs hasn't been on. Which I know he can be off and still win because of Durant. He could, he could flip it on in two seconds, though. Correct, and he can. But he also goes through these stretches where he's not that great. And James Harden is going to be on. He's been on the last fucking two seasons. He's going to be averaging probably 30 a game against the Warriors. I think going into the year, I thought we were going to get these two teams again, either now or the Eastern Conference Finals. I thought Golden State would blow them out because I thought Houston as a team got worse. I was wrong. Actually, maybe the roster-wise, they did get worse, but James Harden took a step step forward after an MVP season, which is nuts. But just the defense isn't nearly as good. Just off the bench, all they have is Iguodala. They don't have, like, I don't, 
I just don't know. It just feels weird to me. Yeah, but the Warriors, like their last two seasons, they've always had a really, really subpar bench, and they still win, win like crazy, and they could still sweep in the finals. Like they're they all... they're still so so talented. Correct, and they can obviously turn it on whenever that series starts, and I'll look like a big fucking idiot. They probably will. But, like, something missing from previous years. If they don't have a reliable bench big like Zaza or before – well, Bogut was it on 2015's team. Um, after Bogut, who was it? Before Zaza. But the point being there was – Wasn't like, it Verizon? Maybe Yeah, but, like, a, a veteran big guy who you could rely on to get you, like, maybe 15 to 20 minutes when you want to go big. Clint Capella is going to have himself a series this, like, this upcoming week or two weeks, whenever it's going to start. Just because I don't think there's anyone on that bench that can come off and contain Clint Capella. But on the Rockets, it's just like, it's going to be hard, and Clint Capella is, is going to do well. After that, what do they got that's going to light up with the Warriors? I know he's and not my favorite player, but they still have Chris Paul. We're even even thinking about him. I know, but he's he's not even close to what he was, even like compared to last year. Correct. I've, no one's even talking about this year compared to last year, but he's still a guy that I trust in like key moments. He hasn't had the best playoff like uh, results, but he's a guy that I trust. And I'm not saying I'm predicting the Rockets to win the series. Warriors probably will still win. My biggest thing is I think Milwaukee would dust the floor with Golden State. Not dust the floor, that's too far, but I think Milwaukee would win that game in probably six. I don't know. It's after that, Giannis Middleton. Their whole team is solid, though. Like they got a really, they got a good bench. But after after Giannis, it it really falls off. It does when you have a top five player on every team, it falls off. But and that's the luxury of having. But not the Warriors. The Warriors have two of the top five best players in basketball, and like four of the top twenty five, which is just nuts. Um, and that's what wins in the playoffs. It does win in the playoffs. In the bench, I know the rotations get shorter, but my big thing is it's going to be in the finals because I do think Milwaukee's coming out the East. Milwaukee's a fucking – they're just a tank. They are oh, wow. so good. They're, what, was, what was the stat? It was like they won over 40 games this season by double digits. Fucking nuts. Just absolutely crazy. I, I don't think the moment will ever get too big for Giannis either. I really don't think he, like, cares that much about, like, the media and, like, the big lights for it to, like – overcome them oh it doesn't i know the warriors don't give a shit they've been there four straight years or five straight years but i don't think it's gonna be a problem for giannis where some maybe some teams in the east it might be i don't know like philly maybe it could be i think it would i think it would be a problem for like ben simmons i think so too and boston maybe maybe not Kyrie, it wouldn't i don't know about the rest of the team toronto Kawhi's been there but i don't i don't think toronto yeah, I don't think Toronto really would Boston. care. Um, but I'm trying to think what else. Like, I don't know. That was just my hot take. We could talk about it. We talked yeah, about it. But that's I, – I still think the Warriors are just still too talented to uh, not steamroll. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to steamroll this year. No, I, and, and not steamroll, but, like, not, when, not have a big sweat over a season. Yeah. What was your your match? It was just twenty bucks, right? You have the twenty Warriors. bucks, even money. He has the field. Yeah, it should be a good bet. Um, do you have anything else for this week? No. All righty. Um, 
I don't know if Matt's going to be here in time for Game of Thrones recap, but I'm going to end this portion of the episode, and I'll see you later either by my sweet voice only or maybe we'll be accompanied by Matt. We'll see. See ya. See ya. Here it is, Season 8, Episode 2 Recap. Just me here, so I'll make it real quick because I don't think you want to hear me talk for too long just by myself. I, pre- I like the episode. It was pretty good. It was just an extension of the first episode, but I was fucking smiling ear to ear for most of it. Except for when Arsha was getting her cheeks clapped. That made me feel uncomfortable. I know Maisie Williams is a year older than I am, and it's perfectly fine for her to be exploring her body. And if she thinks she's about to die in the morning, like, yeah. Get that dick. Go ahead. Good job for you, girl. But watching the show, and I started watching, this is my first season live, so I started watching this, like, over winter break is when I started binging it. At that time, I was introduced to her when she was, like, an 11-year-old girl, or 13, I don't know how old. She's, like, my little sister I never had. That's just kind of weird. But other than that, I loved the episode. I don't care if it was kind of corny, cheesy, extension of episode one. It wasn't, I guess it was a filler episode, but... I enjoyed it, and that's what I do. That's what I watch TV for. I watch TV to fucking enjoy things. But, and then at the end, fucking Podrick just showing us that he has the voice of an angel for Jenny's song. And it was just, uh, it was great. But, I'm trying to think of what, especially, what do I take away most from that episode? Davos, think he's done. I think him basically saying, well, I've been in all these wars and I've come out alive. I think he's done. Sadly, I think Brienne is done or Jamie won the two, but I'm my theory is that Jamie's gonna be the one that kills the Night King, so just to stay with that logic, I think Brienne's gonna be Dunzo. Uh Tormund's probably gonna be the one like on the side, like I don't know. Something's gonna happen with those three where one of them's gonna die and the other one's gonna be defending the other one. Some type of triangle like that. Um I don't know, I'm kinda disappointed they didn't show the Braun versus Tyrion conversation about everything he's seen. That's going to come into play somehow. Whatever they talked about, that'll come into play further down the line. Um, I also find it very funny that Winterfell is just like Southern Alabama. Grey Worms, Melisandre, they're walking around. People won't even sit next to them. They're just sickened by the sight of a dark-skinned person. It's not funny, but just, just rude, horrible. And then they're both just like, Jesus, fuck, let's get out of here. This place stinks. Um, looking into episode three, the big bell of Winterfell. This was weird about episode two. There was not a single scene in King's Landing. Nowhere except Winterfell, which is kind of weird. I think it may be the first time ever in a Game of Thrones episode that everything was in one location. It was nuts. Uh, I just kept thinking, eventually they're going to have to go to Cersei. Eventually they're going to have to go to Euron or someone. Nope. Nothing. All Winterfell. And if this is going to be the longest battle scene ever, even longer than Helm's Deep of Lord of the Rings, which is one of my favorite scenes in, like, cinema history, I don't even know if they're going to have enough time to go anywhere. How the fuck in the biggest battle ever are you just going to cut to Cersei? So this might be another episode, unless it's, like, the last ten minutes they throw her in. Like, she might not be seen again. That whole storyline might not have any growth the rest of this episode, which, by me, perfectly fine. This episode is going to be, like, the most one of the most anticipated episodes in television history so every single time they've set up a standard game of thrones has hit so i'm expecting they're going to hit this um i think there is going to be a rift between 
John and Daenerys sometime in the middle of this battle. And I kind of have a bit of a bold prediction that Danny's going to die this episode. I don't know why. I just have a weird feeling. But uh, I don't know who I could expect dying. I don't want Arya to die. I think she's too cold-blooded. Gendry, maybe... Um, oh, Sir Jorah. Done. Jorah is done. He'll be relieved of the friend zone. I think Jorah is just... He's, he's out like a light. I don't know what the fuck Lady Mormont's going to be doing on the battlefield. Yeah, she's a badass bitch. But come on now. She's like 12. What What is she going to do? Nothing. Um, I do think something's going to happen in the crypts. They're just setting it up where it's... Oh yeah, the crypts are the safest part. Oh yeah, nine-year-old girl there whose both of her brothers have died in war. You you go in the crypts. You defend it. And that girl's going to get fucked up when Ned Stark's headless body's just chasing her around. Because... I don't know, they're just setting it up where, all right, everyone, get to the crypts, get to the crypts. The crypts are the safest place. You just keep on hearing it, and everyone kind of forgets, hey, this Night King guy can just raise people from the dead. I know there's stuff in the books that say that the statues have metal swords, and that's why they can't be raised from the dead, but I'm calling bullshit. They can't be just putting such an emphasis on this where it doesn't come into play. So I think eventually people in the crypts are going to come alive, and that's why Arya's scared as fuck, and that's also why there are trailer scenes in the crypts. So unless the Night King breaks the walls and they get inside Winterfell, they can get inside the hallways, which by that point, they're fucked. And it's going to be a losing battle anyways. I do think it's they're going to be able to do the outside fight, which actually, as I'm going on this tangent, in the final minute of the last scene in episode two, there was no sight of the Night King. What if he just bypasses this? And he just has, like, the white, other White Walkers just deal with this. And he's like, I'm not risking myself because I know I'm the biggest picture here. Who knows? We'll see. Um, like I said, I was going to go be really quick, so I'll just do this five minutes. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Cry every night for you. These arms they long to hold you. Hold you again. And you broke it. You broke it, honey. These eyes are crying. These eyes have seen a lot of love, but they're never gonna see another one like I have with you. These eyes are crying. These eyes have seen a lot of.